0: Philippians chapter 4. I've been excited. Uh, This, I said to somebody last week, this message, this series has been a help to me. If it hasn't been a help to you, I'm sorry. I wish it has, but uh, this has truly helped me. It's put me in a much better position um, with my joy, and so I'm just so thankful. For that opportunity. Uh, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. We'll jump right into this. Father, thank you so much for this day. For the opportunity that you've given us to be here this morning. And Father, for those that uh, have joined us online. Maybe for the first time. I pray that this would be an encouragement to them. And for, our, for all people who hear this message. Would it be something that they could, again, take home. Take and plant a, and make it a part of their lives. And help us, Father, to be heavenly minded. Help us to look forward to you. Help us to see Jesus in everything. Thank you so much for all you do for us. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you, maybe you can uh, hit the like button or the heart button and spam it if you would. How many of you have heard this statement before? The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Spam the heart button, spam the like button if you've heard that statement before. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. This saying is almost always true. I want you to think about that. Some of you are going, hey, wait a second. This saying, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, is almost always true. Why? Because, again, as we've talked about many times in this series, it's about perspective, it's, it, that, that statement is simply and solely about perspective. As I'm looking at the other side of the fence, of course it's greener because I'm seeing it as greener. There have been adaptations to this statement. How about this one? Maybe you've heard of this one. The grass is always greener where you water it. The grass is always greener where you want it. So instead of looking at someone else's grass who's watering it and taking care of it, why don't you start taking care of your own grass? I've heard this one. The grass is only greener on the other side because you are not walking all over it. We've heard those things, and those are different things, and so we perspectively look at these grass greener statements. And if you're honest with yourself, yes, the grass is greener where you water it. And yes, the grass is greener over there because I'm not walking all over it. Again, it's all based on perspective. If we're honest with ourselves and we begin looking at all of our shortcomings and all of our problems that we have and we look at other people's successes, then every one of us would be jealous and envious of someone else's life. If all of all we ever looked at in our lives was the, the problems and the, and the terrible things that we have done or that were the circumstances that we're in, and we look somewhere else and, it will, and look at their uh, successes and the, the wonder and the amazement of that, then of course we're going to look at the other side of the fence and say, man, that grass is so much greener. But so often we think that we can get out of our current circumstances And things will be better. If I could just fill in the blank, I would be happy. If I could just, then I would be content. If I could just, and you could fill in the blank, we think, if our circumstances would be better, then I would be happy. But no doubt that is true for some, but not for most. The mind is so incredibly powerful that it allows us to only see the good ...in something that we don't have. You ever notice that? It allows us to see the good in something that we don't even have. For instance, we have selective memory about the past. You've heard of selective hearing. Most men have selective hearing. But there's this thing called selective memory. About the past, you know what often we remember about the past? The good things. We remember how wonderful it was in, quote, the good old days... Well, I happen to know some people that lived in the good old days, and some of the stories they tell me wasn't the good old days. Listen, we can look at those things and say, man, they were wonderful. We seem to only remember the good. And as we look at the future, you know what, sometimes we only have blinders on. We think things like this, especially in our current circumstances. If things would just go back to normal, then I would have joy. If things would just go back to normal, I would have joy. But let me ask you this question. Were we really joyful when things were normal? Were we actually full of joy when things were normal? Like this time last year? Were we actually joyful then? Will we really be joyful if things are different in the future? Probably not. Because the problem is we haven't dealt with the heart issue. We haven't dealt with the root of the problem we only base it upon our circumstances and so we have blinders on for the future and as we look into the past we have selective memory the fact of the matter is this and please don't miss this if you're in the habit of writing things down please take some time and write this down but please don't miss this if you cannot be joyful in your present circumstance you can never be joyful Let me say that again, and I mean this with all my heart. If you cannot be joyful in your present circumstance, you can never be joyful. You see, you have to be present to be joyful. You can think, oh, in the future I'll be joyful, but when you get there, then it's your present. You cannot be joyful in your present circumstance, you can never be joyful. When you are constantly looking to the past and constantly looking to the future for everything to change or to be different, you will never be joyful in the present. It won't happen. I want to give you this message that I've entitled this morning very simply. To finish this off, your contentment brings joy. Your contentment brings joy. Again, if you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. Joy in the present can only come from contentment. Joy in the present can only come from contentment. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4. We finished in verse 9 last week. Let's go ahead and continue here in verse 10. The Bible says this. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. We've spent a lot of time on rejoicing in the Lord. That now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Again, he's talking to the Philippians and saying, listen, you've taken care of me and you've looked out for me and you've helped me. Look at verse 11. He says this. Not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Verse 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Verse 14, notwithstanding, ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church... Communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account, verse 18. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you in odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable. Watch this now. Well-pleasing to God. Verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. There are several familiar verses in this passage. but I want to take this passage as a whole. I wanna break it down and hopefully show you how your contentment can bring you joy in any circumstance. Your contentment in your present, where you are right now in the midst of COVID 19, in the midst of a lockdown, where you can say, I can still have joy. I can finish my course with joy. Paul again gives us the secret to joy. And in this particular passage, Paul gives us the secret to contentment and we can have joy through contentment first of all I want you to see very simply a decided dichotomy a decided dichotomy a dichotomy is a complete separate different thing black and white that's a dichotomy often we bring about false dichotomies where we think you have to choose one or the other but here in verse 12, I want you to see the decided dichotomy that Paul brings. Look with me. In verse 12, he says, I know both how to be abased, put down, and I know how to abound. I know how to grow up. I know how to be full. He says here, "In everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul says, listen, I have been instructed, I have decided that in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I've learned that. I've been instructed in that. And I have decided that I will both abound and be abased. That I will be full and be hungry. He says everywhere. Again, look at verse 12. He says, everywhere and in all things. Can you think of a time where there is not in everywhere and in all things? It means all the time, in every circumstance, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what position you find yourself in, no matter what goes on. Listen, everywhere and in all things. In absolutely everything, Paul is instructed to be both full and hungry. What does this mean? What does it mean to be both full and hungry? Well, you have to be completely stuffed to the gills full. I am so full, I can't eat anything else. You have everything you could ever want or need. I I could not ask for anything else. You ever been in that position? Hopefully you have. Completely and utterly content. (sighs) Almost uncomfortably content. Where you're so full, it's a little bit uncomfortable to breathe. You know what I'm talking about? You're so full. But while you're so full, at the same time, you're hungry. You're hungry for, say, the next opportunity. I remember growing up, uh, we used to go hunting. And my, we, my dad and my grandpa and I would take a week and we would go hunting. And my grandpa would, was the cook for the week. And we'd sit down and eat breakfast, usually eggs with some bacon or something like that, and uh, toast, and we'd be eating, and I'm literally eating breakfast. And my next question was, what's for lunch? Because I couldn't wait for the next meal. I was usually 14, 15 years old, and a teenage boy, you're always hungry. So I could remember those things, and I couldn't wait for the next meal. And my grandpa would just look at me and say, aren't you thankful for what you have? And I'd say, yes, but what's for lunch? Just tell me, and at lunch I would ask the same thing, what's for dinner? This is to be completely content with your circumstances and to be completely accepting of someone who wants to fulfill your need. Now, hopefully I've confused you a little bit more. So let's break it down just a little bit. He says, I am to abound. I am to abound. What does abound mean? Abound means winning. You're winning. You're winning at life. You're frolicking through life like everything is wonderful. It's all sunshine and rainbows. You're abounding. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever met someone who's a terrible winner? Who's a terrible winner? Yes. Hopefully, uh, excuse me, not hopefully, probably you have. I have met some people who are terrible at winning. They don't know how to win graciously. When they win a game, they are rubbing it in your face, make you feel like a terrible person, like you are no good, like you can't measure up to the stature of who you are. That's somebody who wins terribly. Paul says, listen, I'm not like that. I know how to abound, he says. When I have everything I need, I'm content with that. I'm not looking to hurt other people who don't have a lot. I'm not looking to rub it in their face and say, look at all the things that I have, and you're no good. He says, I am perfectly joyful to be sitting around the table with a table full of food, a fire crackling in the background, warmth, and a roof over my head. I'm completely content with that. But he says, I know how to abound. Everything's going super well. Most of us view this as success. Yeah. I'm happy, I'm joyful with success. But he says, I not only know how to abound, I know how to be abased." You know what a based is? Abased is losing. And I, I feel like I'm losing. Have you ever met someone who's a terrible loser? Again, all of us probably have. Their, when they lose, they absolutely throw a fit. Rolling on the ground, kicking and screaming. Throwing a fit. Winning, excuse me, whining about every bad call in a sporting event and how it's always someone else's fault. We've all seen people like that who are terrible losers. Paul says again, I'm not like that. He says, when I don't have anything, I am content with that. I am not looking to blame someone else for the position I am in. I am perfectly joyful to be sitting in a jail cell or a dungeon, chained to a wall or to a Soldier, or to another prisoner with nothing to eat, he says that. Listen, I know how to abound and how to be abased. Everything is going all wrong, and I'm content with that. Most of us view this, anything that goes wrong, as losing. But not Paul. Paul wasn't depressed when he was abased. He was joyful when he was abased. He was content with either thing. I know how to abound and how to be abased. If we're honest with ourselves, most of us know how to be joyful when everything is successful. Let me say that again. Most of us know how to be joyful when everything is successful. We have a home. We have food on a table. We have money to order skip the dishes. Our spouses, our children are well, they're healthy, et cetera. Listen, we could just go on and on. We have our jobs, we have all of these different things. Most of us know how to abound. We're joyful in abounding. Where everything's going smoothly, we're able to go out and about and do the things that we want to do. We're not in lockdown. We're not frustrated with the government. We're not angry at our neighbor for doing something that we don't like them doing. We're, we're not frustrated here and there. Listen, every we're winning. We're winning. And it's joyful. Most of us are good at that. But there are very few that are good at losing. When things aren't just the way we like it, guess what we do? We throw an adult temper tantrum. We throw a fit. We get upset at the government. We get upset at each other. We blame this person and that person. And we do this and we do that and we get angry and we're just, this frustration begins to grow. Listen, we don't know how to be abased. We don't know how to lose. Paul said, I have learned how to be content wherever I am at. Look at verse 11 again. Not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned, it's not something that you just turn the switch on, it's something you learn in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Listen, if I'm eating dinner with all of my friends, I'm content. If I'm in a jail cell far removed from them all, I'm content. He knew how to to abound and how to be abased. How could Paul say this? How did Paul get to this point to where he learned this? Well, I want you to see number two, an awesome accomplishment. Most of us would say, man, if I could just get there, that would be awesome. That would be an awesome accomplishment. How did it happen? Paul, again, remembered something that we often forget. He remembered something that we forget, and that is this. God is in control. God is in control. Let me say it one more time. God... Is in control. How in the world could I be uh, uh, content in a jail cell with no food, no light, uh, strapped, chained to a wall? How, how in the world can I be content? Because Paul realized God is in control. Paul could be happy wherever he was, in whatever circumstance he found himself in, because he realized God had put him there. Second Corinthians chapter eleven and verse twenty-four through twenty-seven. The Bible says this of Paul. Paul's saying this. Listen, he says, Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often in cold and in nakedness listen Paul went through all of that we could probably pick what two or three out of that that we've been through maybe not even to the extent that he was he already said earlier in Philippians he said those things which were gained to me those I counted lost the abounding things, man, that were given to me, the wonderful country that I grew up in and the wonderful family that I have and the wonderful heritage. He said, I counted those things as loss and the things that fell out unto me, those nakedness, those cold, those perils that were given to me, he says, those, those are for a reason. He said, Christ gave me the good things. Hey, every good gift and every per- perfect gift cometh down from above, from God. Christ gave me the good things, and Christ put me in the bad situations. But it was all for a reason. I want to refer you back to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12. Paul very simply says this, But I would ye should understand, brethren, That the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Paul said the things that I counted gain, I counted loss. And the things that hurt me, I just went with. Because that furthered the gospel. Look at what Paul says in verse 13 of Philippians chapter 4. He says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can abound and be content. And I can be abased and be content because Christ is there. He is the one who strengtheneth me. We take this verse out of context all the time. We think, well, I, I should be able to uh, win and, and do the best and climb the corporate ladder and all of these things because Christ can do, all, I can do all things through Christ. But we forget that Paul said, I can abound and be abased. Let me ask you, when you're at the bottom of the totem pole, when you get fired from your job, When you lose your job, when you get laid off, when you're unemployed, when you're in a lockdown situation, let me ask you, do you still believe you can have joy through Christ? Do you believe that you can still be content because of Christ? Can you do all things through Christ? When things are abounding and when things are abased, I can be content in the bad because of Christ. I can be content in the good because of Christ. Very simply, whatever I do, I'm going to do through Christ. Because that's the only way to contentment. Win or lose, through Christ. You can only complete, you can only complete this decided dichotomy by having Christ awesomely accomplishing it through you. It cannot be done in your own strength. Paul said, listen, there is a dichotomy. There is opposites. To be full and to be hungry. To be abounding and to be abased. And he says, I am perfectly content with either one. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ. It is an awesome accomplishment, and God is awesome. God is somebody to look at and go, wow. But it's only through Christ. Maybe you're sitting there listening to this, and you're saying, I I don't know about this. I'm not sure I'm quite there right now. To be honest, I don't really want to suffer in this life. I don't know if I want to live this way, the way that you just described. I don't know if I want to live like Paul, who was beaten and imprisoned and shipwrecked and all of these different things. I don't know if I want to live that way. It's a nice ideal that no matter what comes, I can still be content and have joy. It's it's a nice idea. I'm just not convinced. I, I think I would much rather constantly abound. Most of us would say that. I would much rather have things the way that I want them and enjoy them the way that I want them and completely enjoy them. And I I understand that. I understand the ideal of, listen, we want things a certain way. We like things a certain way. We like things, if I can use the term, normal. We like them that way. But the problem is this. That idea that you've just thought about that, I just don't want to go through that right now. I just rather abound all the time. That only puts you into temporary happiness. That only puts you into temporary happiness because when that changes and you can't control something, you lose your joy. Listen, there are things out of our control right now. There are things out of our control. Let's be completely honest. This morning, and again, spam the heart button if you can say this. Spam the heart button if you can honestly say that you are completely and utterly joyful and content right now. Honestly, before God, if you can say, I am completely and utterly joyful before God, go ahead and spam the heart button. If you are completely and utterly joyful about the condition of our city, our province or our country most of us are not not content with where we are we don't want to continue to go through this whatever side of the extremities you're on none of us want to continue to go through this how many of us have control over that really i mean really have control over the fact of the matter is none of us the reason we're struggling with being content in the current situation we find ourselves is because we've forgotten that God is in control. So let me ask you, how in the world are we going to have joy and contentment in every circumstance in our lives? Most of us have written this off as impossible. Yeah, Pastor Yeomans, we know we're supposed to trust Christ, trust God, we know, we know, we know. But there's something that you need to know about the word content. 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 Content, as Paul says here in verse 11, whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. The word content, in fact, is the exact same spelling of a different word. The exact same spelling of a different word. The only difference is where you put the emphasis on the word. So content or content. Content. Or content. The root word for content found here in Philippians chapter 4 simply means barrier. Such as a fence, a wall, whatever you want, some sort of barrier. So contentment literally means this. Hear me. Contentment literally means to be joyful in your side of the fence. That's what contentment means. Contentment literally means to be joyful in your side of the barrier. How? How am I going to do that, Pastor Jomans? All I can look at is the bad, the brown grass, the scarcity of grass over here. And I look over there and go, wow, look at how how much better it was then. Or it's going to be better in the future. I can only see the good. How am I going to do this? Let's take a look at this just a little bit differently, so follow me. Think about a box, just a standard cardboard box. Most of you are receiving Amazon packages in them. Think about a box. Guess what a box has? It has barriers on all sides, four sides, actually six sides. When you close that box, it has barriers. The point of the box is to keep things inside of it. Let me say that again. The point of the box is to keep things inside of it. When you open up the box and you reach in and you remove something, what do you remove? You remove the contents of the box. It's the same word as content, different emphasis. Let me ask you a very specific question, and this is where I'm getting. Where are you content? Where are you content Into what barriers have you placed yourself? If I can ask it in a crazy way, what box have you put yourself in? Have you put yourself in the box of this earth? Or have you put yourself in the box of heaven? What barrier, what are you a content of? I want to show you simply number three. A heavenly hunger. Hear me out. Hear me out. A heavenly hunger. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 17. He says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul's saying, listen, get off of what's going on in this world and fix your eyes on the things that are going on in heaven. Be a content of heaven. Put your barriers up in heaven. Paul was not looking at earthly goods He was looking for heavenly. Paul was not a content in this earth. He was content of heaven. He was inside of the realm of heaven. His fence, if you will, was heaven. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust doth corrupt... And where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break through nor steal. Wait, here it is. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Hey, my heart's in heaven. My treasure's in heaven. And so I'm a content of heaven and I am content in it. Paul's heart was in heaven. So many of us are contents of this earth. That is all we live for. We live for this present moment in our lives. We want to make this side of the fence greener. Hear me. We live in this world. We want to make this side of the fence greener, but I've got news for you. This side of the fence is dead and dying This side, where you find yourself physically on this earth right now, it is dead and dying, and you will constantly be looking for greener pastures. Some of you will look for a different spouse because you think, this one's not meeting my standards. Some of you will look for pleasure. Some of you will look for another job. Some of you will look for a different... uh, uh, Car, house, I mean, fill in the blank. We, we live for this earth and we're constantly looking for the biggest and best thing. And you think, how in the world can I just be content here on this earth with what I have? Listen, you can't because it's dead and dying. We'll always be looking for something better. But guess what? We have access to the absolute best thing. The greenest pasture of all. Heaven heaven we have access to that there is literally no greener grass there is no clearer river the bible calls it a crystal river there is no better fruit there is no better streets streets of gold that are transparent there are no better light because jesus is the light listen there is nothing better than heaven there is no greater greener than heaven when you are a content of heaven you are content in heaven listen because it doesn't matter what's going on in this world i know that god has prepared something i know that i'm looking forward there's an old song that says this this world is not my home i'm just a passing through my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. It's an old song, but listen, it's so true. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, hear this, seek those things which are above, Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above. Not on things on the earth. Matthew 6.33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, the things that you want to be content, will be added unto you. Very simply this. When you quit looking at this earth... And you turn your eyes upon Jesus. You look full in his wonderful face. The things of this earth go strangely dim. They don't matter anymore. You say, Pastor Yeomans, how, how do I be content in this world? You look toward heaven. And you start laying treasures up there. And guess what? It won't matter what a virus does. It won't matter what the government does. It won't matter what your neighbor says to you. It won't matter what, what happens to your job. It won't matter if you're put in a prison cell. Because you are content, and you are a content of heaven. When you put your barrier up in heaven, you won't want to look anywhere else. There's no greener grass anywhere than heaven. Your contentment brings joy. Your contentment can only come from where you place yourself. Let me ask you very simply: where are you? Where are you? Are you living on this earth? Or are you living for heaven? Are you heavenly minded? That doesn't mean we forget about the things of this earth completely and utterly. We still have a job to do, we still have uh, things to do here. It's responsibility to glorify God in everything that we do. but our focus ought to be on heaven. Are you in heaven or are you stuck here on earth? Are you looking at all the bad things? And are you having joy stripped away from you at every turn? Listen, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, heaven can never be stripped away from you. The Bible says that God places you in His hand and no man can pluck you out of that. I go to prepare a place for you. But we're not so, I would have told you. Going to get this ready for you. It can never be stripped away. You might be listening today and you don't even know if you're going to heaven or not. I want to encourage you. Jesus came to this earth for that reason alone. Sin keeps us out of heaven. Lying, cheating, stealing, all the bad things we do. They keep us out of heaven. But Jesus said, I will pay that debt for you. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. So Jesus comes to this earth and he dies, has the sin of every person in the entire world, past, present, and future, placed upon him. He became the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come unto the Father but through him. And listen, if you've never accepted that, You've never accepted the free gift of Jesus Christ, and won't you do that today? He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can't make it except through Jesus Christ. You can't work. You can't strive. You can't think good enough to reach heaven. And let me tell, let me, let me encourage you without Christ, You cannot have joy today. You cannot have true joy. And those of you who may be saved today, you know Jesus Christ as your personal heaven, or excuse me, as your personal savior. Maybe you've taken your eyes out of heaven. Maybe you've taken yourself out of heaven. Not that you'll never go there, but just your perspective. And you've begun to look at the things of this earth and the storms that are going on and you feel like you're sinking. You just don't have that joy that you used to have when things were abounding. Then get heaven back in your perspective. Put your barriers in heaven and place yourself there and say, there's no greener grass. There is no greener grass anywhere else. Jesus came to the earth to give us life and to give give it more abundantly that we might have joy. And Paul says, listen, if you want joy, be content. Be content. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day and for all you do for us. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Father, thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins that we might even experience a glimpse of what heaven's gonna be like. Relationship with you on this earth is what heaven will be like, and it brings far greater joy than trying to manipulate and trying to scheme and trying to uh, work and I mean, you fill in the blank of all the things that we want to do to gain more joy, to get things back to what they used to be, or if I just had this, then I'd be happy. Father, help us to place ourselves in you, find ourselves in you, that we might be truly, truly joyful. Father, if there's one that's listening that does not know you as personal Savior, they've never seen the fact that they are a sinner and that they deserve to go to hell, then I pray that today they would realize that and realize their need of you. You came to this earth and died for their sins. Help them to accept that free gift. Thank you so much for rising from the dead three days later. So that we might have a hope in heaven. Father, we pray for all of us today, circumstances excluded, we would have joy. Joy. Be content in our present circumstance. We love you. We pray all these things in your name.